This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And this is our second pre-match podcast in the Premier League. And I'd like to say I'm very happy, indeed, and it's not because the sun's gone to my head, but I'm very happy that the Bees are unbeaten as they went to Leicester at the weekend. And they came from two goals down to draw two all. And you might think, mm, why are you so happy about that? But... At the time when we were 2-0 down, it looked at down and out to the Bees. But no, there's a plan B in effect. Thomas Frank, we will talk about all that later. So at the end of the day, we are unbeaten. This is the besotted pride of West London, unbeaten Premier League podcast. I'm very happy. And I've got some characters in the house. We're still in the virtual joint because I'm still in España. I'm in a different casa than the last podcast that I did last week. I've moved a bit further south. Because it wasn't hot enough for me in the last place I was at, in Javier. And also I was so shocked by seeing Javier in Javier, I had to get out of Javier and go south. But I thought I'd come further south to a different place. But I've got my buddies with me, so it's all virtually lovely. I've got Laney in the place. Laney, how are you? I'm good, mate. Um, yeah, back in Blighty. Uh, back from Leicester. Back from Anne Leicester. Uh, yeah, e- equally upbeat as you, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, Unbeaten's good. It was, you know, we saw how important that was last season just to sort of get into really good habits of picking up points from games. Um, so we'll talk about the Leicester game in detail. But yeah, it was a great day out and good to good to see Brentford's season um, back up and uh, away days uh, in full effect. Had a really good day out. Good, good, good. And uh, we've got Ali Malali in the house. Ali from her game two in the house. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I also had a great day out on Sunday at the game and... Uh, yeah, it was my birthday, so my birthday wasn't going too well at 46 minutes, but by 90 minutes it was a bloody good birthday, because Brentford do normally let me down on my birthday, so I was well happy with that. I heard you planned it that way. You put a quick phone call into Thomas Frank and said, Thomas, if you can get us 2-0 down for 60 minutes, that'd be really good, because I'm going to feel horrible, and then at the end, I'm going to feel fantastic, that I'm going to want and go back to the pub and drink about seven bites of beer afterwards. Is that right? Yeah, something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> Which is all good, yeah. And for me... As well, like I said to you, I've, well, I've, I'm, I feel like I've been out here for about 45 years, actually, which is all good. I've come a bit further south, and uh, on Saturday, I actually, and listen, all I can say is, you international bees, I know now I can feel your pain, because every Saturday you're sitting down there thinking, how am I going to watch a game, especially if the game isn't on Sky, and obviously, as you know, the game on Saturday, or Sunday, sorry, wasn't on Sky, so obviously all 
all, all, all Premier League games can be can be found somehow, but it's not so easy because, as you know, us besotted crew always like to watch it in the pub with characters around us as well. So, of course, I found some bees out here. The old, uh, the Cheshire bees, Ken, Linz and Hannah as well were out here. So I did a bit of a drive, about an hour's drive from where I was to go and meet them in a bar. And he said, I've got it all sorted, Bill. It's all sorted, mate. You know, there's Man United game and they're going to have 27 screens of Man United, but there's one screen of Brentford in the corner. That's going to be us, our corner. So uh, we watched the game on Saturday, which is great. Big screen, you know, <laughs> watching the game, nil all. Uh, 2-0 down, half-time, oh no, 2-0 down, rather depressed, all of a sudden, screen goes off, the dodgy feed that they got, because it wasn't a proper feed, it was a dodgy feed, as you know about that, and uh, and after that, Ivan Tony sword when the screen goes off, and next minute you see all the international bees, forgetting about the big screen, they're all watching the games on their phone in this bar, so like I said to you, I can feel for you international bees, as you have to always be trying to find somewhere that you can watch the game, and uh, we watched the last half an hour of the game on our phones, so uh, the, 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 the De Silva goal, which we will talk about later, yes, I did cheer, and I did see it, but um, it, it was very, very tiny, and it probably didn't have the same effect as you did, Laney and Ali Malali. Well, I, I had a similar experience, so after me, eight years ago it was, I, I missed the opening game of the, se- of the championship season when we were at home to Charlton, so I think it was almost eight years to the day, really, um, when Tommy Smith got that 85th minute equaliser. Oh, yeah. you know, I missed we, that game as well. <laughs> yeah, so so again, I was I think I was in a, I was in a sort of like a, uh, outside a bar in Montpellier um, down in the south of France, and again, having to find Wi-Fi, having to find streams having to find you know stable kind of connection so yeah I, I, I'm aware but um, it's easy to go to the game to be honest with you. but uh, yeah such is life such is life indeed so so which is good but like I said to you it's been a it's been a really busy week as well for Besotted obviously like I said to you we've had a pretty mellow summer just going out there and doing our thing doing the Euros going on international places just having a bit of a laugh and not doing that many pods but you know we've been gearing ourselves up and we've launched our Besotted Global which like I said to you if you if you haven't checked it out yet just go to besotted.com forward slash global we've got a little little community there of people and we're just we're just feeling it out at the moment now like I said to you a few little bits and pieces going out there people talking amongst themselves talking about Brentford international bees just getting to know each other as well um, I threw up a an Anfield rap podcast that I did recently with Neil from the Anfield rap I actually did that about a week ago actually when I was in uh, further north up in Javier you know that place that I saw Javier the Brentford fan <laughs> up in Javier and uh, I did it there with Neil from the Anfield rap really interesting podcast uh, I think Savvy B listened to it the other day he goes oh my god that Neil he knows more about Brentford players than most of the Brentford fans so you should definitely check that out that was on Global for a week than what we've done we've actually posted up on the Besotted podcast channel now so go and check out the Anfield Rap podcast because it's really interesting we talk about Liverpool we talk about Brentford Liverpool talk about what their thoughts are of Brentford you know what Brentford player they'd signed if they'd have to other than Ivan Tony. also what teams they think are going to get promoted and relegated and what they think our chances are going to be this season so definitely interesting thoughts from a established Premier League fan uh, on that one, you, did you check that out, Laney, at all, or, or Ali? Yeah, no. It's sat- on Saturday, I was putting up some quite a lot of match footage and um, match sort of video content. I can't. It's just like you can't put it everywhere. This is you, know, you 
more watch the game. So I was putting it putting it on uh, global to start with. So that's that's the, that's a good place to go if you're not at the game and you uh, you know, you want to get some video content um, of us walking into the ground and I did a half time roundup and stuff like that. So uh, trying to trying to get some more content on there for for the Man United game of the weekend. That's right. That's right. And also, what else we got? Oh yeah, that's right. The Gowler as well. He's uh, he's he come out of the blue. It's the Gowler. He's a star. He, he, I think he goes down as beats breakdown because the Gowler and his buddy Paul. And they've done a little statistical breakdown of the Leicester game as well, which we may talk a little bit about in the Leicester section as well. But we put that up on Besotted.com as well. And uh, he's going to do that weekly. And I think he's going to chat on, have a little chat on Global about that, about his thoughts on that. And anyone else who wants to join in, they can do as well. But like I said, do check out that piece. Really interesting how he talked about basically Thomas Frank. It's the, you know, what's it, it's, uh, he's, he's a genius. But like I said, we'll talk about that in the Leicester section. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something. I think maybe we should crack on, shouldn't we? Because uh, we've got a podcast to get on with and I've got a few beers to, uh, to consume. So I'm going to have a little break and we're all going to have a little break. I'm going to pop downstairs into the fridge, get myself an Alhambra out of the fridge. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Leicester. And Leicester. Um for those of you who have got no idea what we're talking about when we say this and Leicester, it's, uh, it's really bad, actually. It's like, it's like dad jokes. Dad jokes, if they have to start explaining the jokes, they're, they're not as funny. But, um, you know, oh, there's an old song, We Will Follow the Brentford Over Land and Sea. And Leicester! And Leicester! Everyone used to sing, and Leicester, as well. Uh, the fact that we actually never used to play Leicester was, was neither here nor there. But that's just, that's just what we used to sing at the time. So, um, yes, so we, we always call it and Leicester. And, uh, and we played Leicester on Sunday, and it was a game where we were very much looking forward to it. I was looking forward to it, even though I was thousands of miles away. I know you guys are very much looking forward to it. Lovely sunny day. And, uh, well, just tell me about it, Ali. Tell me about your day. I do love watching football in the sunshine. I think there is something really, really nice about standing in shorts with this on glasses and watching football. That's just the personal thing, rather than freezing, your, freezing everything off in the middle of winter. It was... It was it was a great day out, I have to say. I mean, it, despite the fact that, you know, with the ticket sales, you thought it might be a bit sort of a few tourists. I thought the Redford fans were great. The support was fantastic. What do you mean, really sorry, with the, with the ticket sales? Please explain. Well, something. because we went to, didn't we, we went uh, six tickets per season ticket holders. You do think you might get a few people who aren't sort of like, are, are more there for the... For, because it's Premier League football than because it's Brentfield or hardcore Brentford fans. Not necessarily. But it also meant that you could get people who, I think, wouldn't normally be able to get to go to away games. And I think that really actually boosted boosted the support. So I thought I thought the fans were fantastic on Sunday, especially after we scored that first goal. It was like we almost sucked that ball into the net for the second goal, I think. Not that it needed any help. But, yeah, it was really good. The first half was... I do think sometimes, for all the talk of us being brave sometimes we're just not brave enough because you've got a goalkeeper there who's probably not played with that defence before having a first game with a defence and we didn't really I thought we could have gone at them a lot more in the first half than we did um, and uh, we need to work on defending corners there's, there's, there's no doubt about it it was a horrible goal to concede again um, and then another world in you just think oh god it's not going to be our day again Lester are one of our bogey teams we never beat them and then it, it just all turned around with the substitutions. I mean, I, I remember saying two or three years ago that Thomas Frank's biggest weakness was he didn't react or change stuff quickly enough in game situations. And I think in the last, in the two Premier League seasons, he's been brilliant at it. Um, most notably at Everton last season. And then 
again on Sunday, it was just completely changed the game. Jan Olt seemed to play midfield, then left centre back, then right centre back, and it was just it was just using that five sub rule to its absolute maximum. Whereas Brendan Rodgers did nothing. And I think the substitutions absolutely 100% won us a game and the change of system. And I think it was absolutely brilliant in-game management. It's interesting. I mean, you talk about that. I mean, again, the, the Gowler in his piece on checkitoutbesotted.com. Like I said, it's a really interesting piece as he talked about sort of going over. He looked up the, 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 the very important moments through the matches, uh, through the match, and also the tactical changes that he made there as well. But I think what's more interesting, again, obviously I'm out here in Spain, but, you know, uh, we struggled to watch the match. We watched it on our phones. But what I did get on a Sunday night was match of the day two as well because the place I'm staying is at least has got sort of kind of English TV so I've got match of the day two so I watched that and it was what's really interesting of course we were sort of the last <laughs> the last game on because I wouldn't expect anything else but um, what they were they were really gushing in Thomas Frank and his tactics and the way that they thought that he changed the game we changed it in the second half and they almost went uh, they didn't quite go as far as saying that he was a tactical genius but they were just banging on about the fact that you know the first half right whatever Brentford okay fluffed it you know it wasn't quite right but the second half we realized that there was an issue and we changed it with the players we brought in changed the formation spread it wide put the balls into areas got the ball to Joshua Silva he ran into honestly they were banging on about that and I was thinking cool this is this is quite interesting people actually realizing there is life after uh, CE21 that man who's coming next Saturday who you know you're talking about so I thought that was really good isn't it Laney? Yeah, I mean, you know, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's a tactical genius, but I think he is a tactical master. And, you know, we famously once had a head coach that said, you know, plan B was to do plan A better. I think uh, Thomas Frank got, got all the way through to plan Z um, at, at, on Sunday afternoon. And that's that's not a sign of desperation. That's a sign of, sign of adaptation, sign of intelligence, sign of... Uh, mastering the, the new five subsystem um, pretty quickly. When I spoke in the post-match podcast about, um, you know, having having starters and finishers uh, assigned, really, you know, we, we, we in play, I mean, during the course of a game, we've got players and, and coaching staff that are intelligent enough to adapt. And that's, that's going to make the difference between, um, you know, a point and a victory and a defeat and a point. I'd say on on a lot of uh, you know in a lot of situations this year, if we can you know stay um, on, on on point and and and, and get the grey the grey matter kind of uh, fit as fit as the muscles, it's it's it was just great to see sort of bit part players coming on people like Hello Devasoglu and you know clearly Josh De Silva um, and, and make such a difference. And I have to say like Shandon Baptiste as well. Um, Masbeck Sorensen came on like, and he fitted in when you thought he, there's no way he's not even going to break sweat this afternoon because he, he, he's, there's no place for him. And Thomas Frank, um, would, you know, he took off Norgard and he took off, uh, you know, he took off um, uh, um, Wiesa uh, uh, for, for and Ben Mee and Ben and Ben Mee for yeah for like unexpected uh, subs. So if we weren't expecting it, Brendan Rodgers and the Leicester City team, they certainly weren't expecting it. Um, and, it, and, it and it proved to be, um, you know, inspirational. So, yeah, hopefully we're not too deal, too deal down that often. So we have, to, we have to keep doing that sort of stuff. But it proves that, you know, it's, on, it's in our locker if we have to. And we just never give up still. I, I, think, I think the one thing that I took out of this game is I thought that we're, uh, we're still finding our feet a little bit. 
you've got some new players coming in. You don't know how they're going to fit in in the new, you know, in the in the, in the Premier League. You know, but, you know, Hickey, you know, Aaron Hickey's come in, and you think you're very excited about him, but you know, he had an mm, all right game, you know, and I think that you know maybe at some stage Thomas Frank thought I have to, you know, I'm going to change things up a little bit and maybe put in players who. I, I've known I've played with. They're familiar with the system. They're familiar when I change the system up as well. Also, what was interesting is that we talked last week about how we're going to play. We talked about us playing four three three. Then we talked about the fact that you know, like I said to you, when I wrote my little piece in the Observer, and I, I, I put in a, a formation because I was trying to sort of squeeze in players, you know, just within the formation that we've got. And uh, it's quite interesting that he that he flipped to a three four three formation towards the end where basically you had the three attacking players still basically so he's like let's go for it let's put three at the back you know and we have a couple of wing backs in the midfield and they're there and it actually it actually really worked for us because it just changed what we're doing and the reason why I thought that was quite interesting because it goes to show you that we we don't really we're not kind of you know if you talk about Sheffield United or you talk about maybe even Fulham you now they play with Mitrovic they're a very, you know, you, you kind of know how they play, you know. And yes, Fulham did very well on Saturday. You know, people probably hate me for saying that, but I thought they did very well with their press against Liverpool, you know, and how, and how they kind of played against them. But, you know, is it going to be a situation where, you know, Liverpool, people have a look at that game and they think, right, OK, we know how uh, Fulham play. We know how we're going to play against them with us. Leicester, we started off in one one game, which obviously didn't work for us particularly well. And before you know it, bang, we've 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 metamorphosized into a completely different team. And um, and Leicester had no idea how to deal with it at all because half time had gone, so there was no half time chat for him to say, right, you need to do this, that, the other. They had to deal with it themselves, and they didn't deal with it at all. And just Joshua Silva, when he got that ball, and listen, you know this, and I know that as well. He got that ball, and he had so much space. And when he got it, I said. Why are they pressing him? And he has so much space. And then when he cut in, and you know this is Joshua Silva, and he put the ball in the back of the net, you knew it was going to go in the back of the net, didn't you? Sav said straight after the game, that goal was was enabled by Halil's run. Yes, he, he, he dragged a defender out with him, mm. which allowed um, an extra bit of space for, for Joshua Silva to curl it in. He still had to find the finish, but it was it was a great run by, by, uh, by Halil, wasn't it, Al? I absolutely agree. We said it at the time as well. And it's just, he's such an intelligent little player and he just makes that run. And sort of like, I'm pretty certain if Joshua passed him, he would have scored as well. It was a brilliant run. And like you said, just created the space. It was so such an intelligent thing to do. I think he had a real, real impact the time he was on the pitch. I really hope he doesn't get loaned out again or doesn't get, doesn't get sold because I think he's got a big part to play this season, I have to say. I've got to say, yeah, hundred percent, yeah. In, I mean, in this five sub system, he's, 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 he's you know, he's, more than worth his place there, you know, more than that. And, you know, for the money we're going to get for him, the money we'd have to spend to, to bring in someone that's, you know, in brackets better than him, um, we, you know, it makes financial sense. If, if the player's happy to, to sit on the bench and get a lot, of, he'll get a lot of premiership uh, minutes this season. I think it will be good for his CV. And, and I just honestly think we've never really given him a chance. I think he deserves one. You know, as I said, down to him as a person, if he wants to stay here rather than go somewhere else. But if he does do that, then I, I think we would you know, just li- literally get behind him and um, see what he's capable of. I, I do have to say as well, I think Leicester um, were 
better than we thought they were going to be. You know, we thought they were literally, you know, um, really wobbling and all this talk of players going. It was it was a good time to play them. It, it was a it was a good time, a goodish time to play them. But they weren't they weren't bad. You know, They're, you know, Madison and Vardy and Tielemans and Castagna and Ndidi and Fafana. You know, they still had quality all through that pitch. So. You know, for us to go at them, um, I think it could have been a bit naive if we'd have gone from the off. But, yeah, I agree with some of the fans. Well, a lot of the fans were saying they expected a little bit more from us, a little bit more adventure um, a little bit earlier in that game. But I don't think we started off bad. You know, we could have gone, we could have gone one up. I think, I'll tell you something, there might be, and what we're going to do, we're going to listen to the, what the fans had to say in a minute, but um, I just have to make a point on what your point is there. I do understand that, and of course we would have liked to have done that. My thinking about this and what we're doing is we're trying to second think Thomas Frank here. I think that basically with that formation that we went in with, maybe we're thinking, tell you something, let's keep it tight, as we can do, and let's not concede any goals, and let's go in to the half-time and maybe the beginning of the second half, nil all, you know, just keep it really tight. Then with our five subs that we've got now, we can actually weave wonders and all of a sudden we can bring players on like Josh De Silva. So we don't bring them on all too early. What we do is that we surprise them a little bit later on in the game. And maybe that was what the plan was. And all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we're 2-0 down. And it's like half time and we've really fluffed it. And we've just decided to kind of like just, just change things up, you know, immediately. So maybe, you know, that I'm thinking that might be the situation that has happened, Laney, um, with, with that. And maybe, like I said to you, I keep saying this, that we might be feeling ourselves out as to where we're going and maybe for the next game you know Thomas will go actually to be honest with you you know I'm thinking maybe you know three at the back we work better with three at the back we need to spread them wider or maybe when we go we play at home we're going to play in a particular way but when we play away from home we're going to go you know three at the back with the wing back I don't know because I'm not Thomas Frank if you, if, if you don't if you, if you allow Leicester possession and you don't punish them when you take your chances we've seen we've seen it twice last year at some stage they can they'll create something i don't think they necessarily deserve to go ahead i think we, you know, i think the chances created were still quite good by them but equally decent by us um you know ivan tony should have should have put us ahead i, I, I think you know he had a little bit too well he, he had enough time but he, he didn't control the ball and he, and he kind of took the ball too near to the goalkeeper he should have should have put us a goal up and um, you know Brian and Bumo had that kind of volley that, that in, in the first half as well. So we did we did create, um, but there's always there's always something a little bit worldy about about Leicester. They still got um, enough real kind of international class to to hurt you if you if you allow them to boss possession. And we and we did first half second goal. You know that that me you know that giveaway that that was that was harshly punished. By um, that Jewsbury Hall, he's, he's you know he's, he's, he's quality. We saw we saw he was quality when he was out on loan at Luton. So uh, yeah, so yeah, harsh le- lessons learned. But you know we we, we come out of there with a, a really valuable point under our arms, and you know that's that's a real shot in the arm for 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 the for the weeks ahead. Yeah, it's a positive draw. It's a positive draw, not a negative draw. You've got a draw from a losing position, so it's a it's a very positive draw. It's a very uplifting draw for the team, for the fans, for everybody, rather than having been two 0 up and then drawn. Agreed, 100%. Yeah, that's right. So listen, we've talked about this game ourselves and we're very excited about it, as you can tell. But we're going to go back to Sunday and we're going to go back to the terraces and we're going to hear exactly what the fans had to say in the stands, around the ground and in the pubs after the game. I mean, the turning point was uh, 
when we went through the back, uh, made some substitutions, went through the back, Josh came on. We got a goal back very quickly from Ivan Tony being persistent and putting the ball in the back of the net. And from then on, we just went for it. More substitutions, more going for it. Just superb. We were just rocking in the end and we could have we won it. Josh De Silva's goal was absolutely superb. And what made it was that uh, Halil's run into the box. You should have seen that run. Opened up the space. Uh, Josh was able to cut in. Beautiful, beautiful goal. Absolutely. We only really got playing football after we went 2-0 down. Uh, the first goal, typical from a corner. Second, we really got caught cold at the start of the second half. But then in the, then in the final 40, 45 minutes, we actually showed what we were about as a football team. Good performance, lots to build on for the coming season. And if we showed heart and battle like that over the over the course of the year, boy, we could be challenging for Europe. But let them worry about us. We got some quality there, and great to see Josh come on. And the minute he hit that, that was going in. Hey, eh? what a game! But, um, but today, when he comes on, he carries the ball forward in a way that no one else does. And when he hits that with his left foot, that's always curling in. Knowing Thomas as I do, I think. Um... As much as he'll be delighted with the fight back and the character we showed and the quality of the goals, which were really good goals, he'll be equally disappointed with the two goals we gifted Leicester. Um, the first one was a repeat of the, the friendly uh, game. So clearly, lessons not been learned there, if you're being very critical. The second goal was like we, they caught us, caught us on the hop, really. Nobody got close enough and he had plenty of time to, to pop it in the bottom corner. Um, so a great point, great point. No, you can't take that away from us. And it's a point up on what we got last season here. And we look very calm and quite assured, which I was really pleased with. Even at two down, I thought we looked quite measured and that we could get back into the game. But he will be disappointed with those two goals conceded. Absolutely love it. That's why I love football. Yeah, they're sat at home, tuning up. They've given it a big one against us, six feet away from us. And you see their hearts fucking break. Fucking. <laughs> oh, and you know what? It could have gone either way. It could have been, it could have been three, two, even team. But actually, that's okay, that's the beauty of football. Uh, it was unbelievable. Like we was a bit down at our time. Missed their second goal, finishing off our uh, coach. But um, I had a funny feeling, and when we got the first one, I, I thought it was coming. Actually, a little bit disappointed we didn't win, but the Silver's goal was unbelievable. And so pleased Ryan got off the mark. We've had a really strong transfer window. They haven't, and I was slightly. Uh, perturbed that uh, we didn't really push on a little bit. I mean, I couldn't understand why Brian was so deep. Josh De Silva was brilliant, and when he, he had the ball earlier on and he just passed it, and I thought, that's not Josh. And then five minutes later, he took everybody on and he did what Josh De Silva does, as he did at Reading, and it was wonderful. I still don't understand why we set up from what looked like it the whole of the game with three at the back, with, with Brian basically playing as wing back. I thought. Leicester were there to have a go at with all the disruption they got in their side. I thought we were very conservative. Janelt played, he, play, he ended up played in, playing left side of the centre back and ended up playing right side of the centre back. You know, is he going to play centre forward next week? I don't know. But it is that, you know, we obviously love his versatility and the fact that. You know, obviously at the, the, at the beginning of the season, Thomas uh, trusts him and thinks he's got the the legs to do it. You f you use your subs well. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought you uh, deserved the point in the end uh, for the way you went at it. 
I think the fans, even though we got a point in the end after being 2 0 up, I think we were quite happy. It's been a. I think the media's twisted a lot of things that have been going on at Leicester City over the summer. Uh, things are fine at Leicester City. Um, so, so, so yeah, but I think the fans were happy to just have a game instead of just rubbish transfer talk. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was disappointing. We, we really enjoy Brentford supporters coming over to Leicester. It's been really, really good. Yeah, we like Why to go to. Why do you like? Well, it's, it's friendly. Everyone's friendly. It's great, great atmosphere. But we didn't look like we were creating much. It, again, like last night, the season a bit. We took a while to come into the game, and when we did, we looked really good. But I just think we need to be starting a little bit earlier on the creative front in these games than, than we did today. To be fair, it's uh, it's been a great away day, uh, sun shining, and to rescue that after 48 minutes was uh, you know was pretty impressive. To be fair, it was you know good good changes forward play. I just felt like they were dominating midfield, and we it, it just kept on hitting our back four. Um, we you know we we started we started actually just you know trying to uh, try, trying to push push them back, and quite quickly they. They caved to a you know to a degree with the first goal, and then um, and then JDS absolute magic, same exact same replica as uh, against Reading in the Championship. Um, it was a carbon copy, and it was beautiful from the angle we were at. So um, yeah, it feels like a win. So there you go, the fans after the game, straight after the game. I said I love that straight after the game. You you hear it as it is because fans are passionate. They're loving it. You can feel the vibe. You know what I'm saying? When you've scored a late, late goal after being 2-0 down and a goal like that as well, you're going to feel the passion from the fans as well. And we heard that from the stands and the terraces after the game. And uh, like I said to you, that's, that's, what's, that's, just, that's just what's wonderful about, you know. About... Did you, um, do you enjoy that, Mr Grant? Because it's normally you that's, that's doing it, you know. So listening back and, you know, it's a different, different experience. Right? It is a different experience. And I, I have to admit, the thing about it is that I... I, it's almost like it's, it's one of those things where you know, like, say, for example, if you're if you're if you're a teacher, right, and the teacher like is normally taking and preparing a class, and all of a sudden, for once, you can actually kind of sit back and you've got the sort of the substitute teacher sitting in there. I'm not saying you're a substitute, you know, the the other teacher is coming in, and you can sort of sit at the back of the class and you can relax, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying, and you can smile at all the things, and you can smile at the kids throwing rubbers the teacher at the front of the class and sticking their finger up and not making lots of noise like you know what I'm saying you're sitting down there thinking ah you've got to deal with this now like you know what I'm saying so I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a substitute teacher I didn't right? say the substitute that's what you meant nah, yeah. you were so <laughs> hoarse lady at the start of that podcast I did it I was, I was trying to work out who the hell it was <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was the other substitute teacher. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but that was just all good. But look, I mean, just just coming back to this Leicester game, I'm, I'm just going to ask the question: Is that, I mean, we we can't, we haven't glossed over it as such. I mean, the, the fans have talked about it. Also, but what did, didn't the first half? What went? I wouldn't say what went wrong because I thought we I thought we played all right in the first half, even though we were trying to contain them and just do our thing. But what went wrong in the first half? Was it just kind of mistakes or? Did we just get caught out? Did it, did, was it just the wrong formation? Was it the wrong players? You know, there, there's an argument, and the the LR talked about it like last week, and it's a question that's been going around in my head uh, quite a lot since the start of the season. A player that I love is Yanel. I love Yanel. I think he's absolutely brilliant, right? But then you sort of situation is that you know, can Yanel and Norgard should they play in the same side, or if you're trying to get yourselves up to a top ten type side, are you the type of team that says, well, you know? I'm afraid that Yanel is the player that's going to have to come off the bench. 
but you, you're not you're not you're not sad about it because you know that Yenel's a fantastic player. So if he's coming off the bench, you're thinking I've got no worries about that. So I'm just worrying, wondering whether or not you know when you've got him in the side, you've you've got slightly less creativity. Not saying that he's not creative, but you you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was shown. You know, obviously, when when Josh came on, and all of a sudden we started. You know, we started, and we've talked about this all last season. You know, picking up the ball, running at players, causing problems. You know, you know, even Phil Giles and his his BC United thing the other day said, you know, well, there's not enough. He still doesn't think there's enough pace in the side. You know, he's been saying that for the last what eighteen months. You know, when I've chatted to him, you know, it's something that we're looking for. But obviously, they haven't found the right player. So it's almost like we're there, but we're not quite there. And and, and are we sort of kind of slightly compromising still? to get through games because this isn't the inverted commas perfect Brentford side we should actually see us doing what they want us to do I I, I I don't wish this to sound naive I don't think we did a lot wrong I think we got punished by two fairly um, big pieces of indi- you know individual errors I think the marking on the corner was was clearly uh, shoddy um, we, 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 we've kind of been punished for that during during pre-season especially in that Wolfsburg match so, so that whether it's a hybrid between um, you know uh, man marking and um, you know positional kind of uh, uh, kind of positioning in the um, in the area, I, I I'm not quite so sure if if, if you know we we've got that kind of set up. But um, I didn't think Weiser had a very good half. You know, the guy in front of me correctly was just shouting at him, "You're, you're too narrow. You're too narrow." He wasn't getting out wide enough. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't allow us to sort of get get the ball out to the flank, and then sort of pay, you know get a pacey run down and get a cross in. Um, and obviously the you know the the Ben Mee um, miscontrol that allowed uh, Jude Hall to get his to get his shot in. You have to put that down as an individual error. You know you say you say we get the marking right on the corner, and then we you know we you know we Ben Mee controls it or he knocks it out the other way for a throw in. We we are nil nil still, and you know there's a chance we we nick that game. So I think we we got punished by um, by mistakes. Uh, I have to go back to the fact is you know Leicester are going to create something significant first home game of the season with that array of talent. You know they're not going to create nothing. So um, I think it was inevitable they were going to score one. But uh, yeah, we, we seem to get punished. I think I think I think the I think the thing is I think. We sat off them too much in the first half. You know, you don't want to, absolutely like Laney said earlier, you don't want to go in there all guns blazing and 100 miles an hour and leave yourself wide open. But I think we did after the first five, ten minutes, we really sat off them and just let them knock it around. And, you know, when you've got players with the class of Madison, Tielemans, Vardy, they are going to create stuff from that eventually. So I, I think we, I don't know, I mean, one was all pressure, but it was almost like we were almost just giving them, them almost too much of the ball at times and I think in in terms of the, the corners I think part of it is you've got a defence that is only just getting to know each other there so that that's part of it um, but ugh, it does seem to be happening a lot it is something we really have got to work on and I think apart from that error and it did lead to goal I thought Ben Mee had a really good game a really, did, good, yeah. a really good game so it was a real shame that that, that, that slip left, led to a goal Just coming back to the girl the, 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 the bees breakdown Posse, who's written this piece, like I said to you, you can check it out on besotted.com. Really good piece as well. As you were saying, first half, you know, we did, we, we did give them a lot of the ball. You know, Leicester had 62% possession. Brentford had 38% possession. From an XG level, though, it was interesting because, like, Leicester 
they didn't create loads, you know. 0.46 xG as opposed to Brentford 0.15. We were like we were, you know, we were pitiful in creating chances in front of goal uh, or creating chances of high quality in front of goal. We had two shots from Mbumo and also Wisa in the first half. However, in the second half, when we changed it up. The position changed from 62% to 56% and 44% Brentford. And from an XG level, we actually out-XG'd them, you know, if you believe in that kind of stuff. You know, 0.53 to Leicester and 0.67. So Leicester went from 0.46 to 0.53 from the first to the second half. So basically, second half, they created nothing. And for us, we went from 0.15 to 0.67. So the goals that we scored, again, were okay. You know, quality, quality, quality goals, but we actually created more chances as well. Um, you know, we had eight shots, eight interceptions, 13 um, aerial duels won, which is 52%. And also accurate crosses, we had one. So you, know, so, you know, like I said to you, it's quite interesting like you know, how, we, how we kind of turned that game around. And I think it's going to be very interesting how we now apply ourselves, and we're going to talk about that later, to the Man United game. Any further thoughts on this Leicester game, Ali? I thought um, Lewis Potter, when he came on, had a real impact for me. I, I, I still have this thing. I, I love Wissa, but I, I'm not convinced he's a, he's a starter. I think his greatest impact is when he comes on when other teams are tiring. Um, it, there was a real feel when Lewis Potter came on. It was almost like, God, could we have Canals just to run at them and really run at them hard and really press them hard? And Lewis Potter did come on and do that. Um, so that's my only, only real thought about that. I thought, I thought um, the, new lad, the new lads did well. Uh, and I, I, you know, you've got to take your hat off to Yannick, who's played in about three different positions during the course of that game. And to all the players who, you know, the, the formation changed. I think I thought we started at 4-3-3. Then after 10 minutes, we went to 3-5-2. Then we went to whatever we went to. And then we went to whatever we went to. And they all adjusted to it. They all knew what they were doing. And sort of like to be able to do that is, is not just testament to the coach, to, to Thomas, but to the players as well, I thought. So I think... It's fantastic that the players, as well as the head coach, are able to be so adaptable. Okay, and the and the final word I want to say on this as well, and it's not final because it's like it's like the last thing I want to talk about it, but I think it's very important to talk about it. Josh De Silva, he has been out for a very long time. Josh De Silva, he came back in the back end of last season, and you know you can see so so. He had a few games, and you know it's all right. Came back at the beginning of the season again. There's a few question marks flying around about Josh De Silva. Josh De Silva scored a goal which was can only be described as a Josh De Silva goal. You know, he only stores pin great goals as, as the song goes. And it was a pin great goal as well. And, and Josh De Silva, after that, you know, you could see the celebration that he had. He was so happy. His players, his teammates were so happy. But also Thomas Frank, you know, gave him the plaudits. And he says, like, you know, and he apparently had a team talk afterwards. And he talked to everybody afterwards in the, in, 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 in the dressing room and said, you know, this is what this person has done. He has worked so hard to come back from a really, really bad injury. And this is kind of like the pinnacle of him actually scoring a goal now and He's worked so hard for it, and he said you've got to give him props. and And I think he was he was paying a lot of respect for Josh. And you've got to admit, you know, it could have gone one or two ways for Josh, but it, he he obviously really wants it, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. And you know, you're right. When he came back at the tail end of the season, he got sent off against Newcastle, didn't he? And it 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 was kind of he has been stop start for the last couple of years. And you know, he he deserves for his his career to get back on track properly now. Um, and I, you know, as I echo what you just said. Really, it was brilliant to see that. Brilliant to see him score that mm, great goal. And um, I just hope that's you know there's, there's more to come there. 
uh, it's 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 just a really upbeat story and an upbeat result at the end of the day. And it was an upbeat day uh, being a Brentford fan. Yeah, I completely agree with all that. I mean, the slight fear with Josh, was, wasn't it, was that he would be, having come back from this injury, having been out so long, that it might be a bit of an Alan Judge situation and not be the same player again. Um, and like you said, it's been a bit stop-start and you'd be thinking, well, is he going to get that? But I think I think Sunday will have given him a real shot in the arm. Yes, I can still do this. Yes, I can still score, still go, score goals. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's only onwards and upwards for him. And it, it was brilliant to see. It was a great moment. And talking of Josh De Silva, we also did a Man of the Match vote as well this week. We did it through Global this week. We just threw it out there quickly and uh, the results have come in. First place, Josh De Silva. Second place, Vitale Janelt. And third place, Ivan Tony. So we'll be doing that after every single match as well. And we'll be totting that up and we'll be coming back to what we used to do back in the day, having the besotted player of the season. Yeah, and, and listen, you know... At the end of the day, you know, it is, it, it's, we, we've got a long season and we've got a lot of players, I'd say, coming, coming into our side and coming back into our side. And I think as Brentford fans, because we know them inside out, we're sort of quite confident and we're, you know, we, you know, we know our team, you know, and we're kind of quite confident as to where we can go. It's almost like from the outside, though, people go with the top line stories and we have to convince them or we listen to what they say and it kind of narks us a little but I think the thing that I would really like is the fact that basically no one on Match of the Day talked about CE21 at all. Because when Josh De Silva scored that goal, it was kind of like, oh my God, Josh De Silva, oh, it's really great. Oh, is that the other? And I thought, oh, so you finally realise that we have actually got other players in our team that can actually create and do things. And I thought that was really good and good on you, Josh De Silva. And I'm hoping that you can go and do that again on Saturday against Manchester United. And I'll be very happy if you do. <laughs> so anyway, listen, talking about very happy if you do, I've got somebody who is very, very happy because he didn't come on the podcast last week because he was too busy doing some stats and getting his computers and doing all sorts of stuff elsewhere. But we got him back on this week because we really miss him. we got JB in the house and JB has got some absolutely phenomenal beginning of the season stats and some facts and some funk. So listen, let's hear about JB's facts and his funk. Jonathan Virtual back again at the start of the club's 134th season. Our first ever start to a season on a Sunday saw us take only our second point off Leicester in our last seven meetings and saw Josh De Silva's first goal for 543 days. The changing rules of substitutions this season allowed Thomas Frank to give our five subs a combined total of over 90 minutes playing time. Although he was injured, Sergio Canos would have missed the game through suspension as a result of the final game of last season, when he went into the record books as our first player to come on as a sub, score, and then be sent off. A second season syndrome is something mentioned in the media. In our previous spell in the top tier in the 1930s, we also started our second season with a 2-2 draw. That season, we went on to finish in sixth place. Leicester were one of only four sides to do the double over us last season. Manchester United were another, you're up next in a match which will be our 250th in the top tier. Oh, 
So there you go, JB, for his first of the season, Fats and Funk. And uh, first game of the season, Premier League, we're back. And JB knows all about it. And uh, like I said to you, listen, JB, he's just brilliant, all the stuff that he comes up with, you know. He he, he, he was talking about, he he talked about the substitutions, you know. But there was another little point in there that he didn't get about. It's like that all of our five subs had at least seven minutes plus stoppage time on the pitch, right? So all of our subs, and normally, like I said to you, that doesn't normally happen. Other Premier League managers used about five subs and none of them gave all five as many individual minutes, you know. Um, At least one of the subs came on maybe for one or two minutes, you know, and didn't have a chance to do anything. So Thomas Frank, like I said to you, um, the Allard talked about it last week, the, the way that we'll use our subs... And we voted for having the five subs because he's thinking, tell you something, we're not going to be using our subs to be wasting time and all that nonsense. We're going to be using our subs tactically so we can change the game. And I think that really showed it, like, you know, that we're going to, we're going to bring our players on and we're going to actually give them some game time. And that was, a, that was refreshing. Wasn't well, it, yeah, I'm sure we will use them to waste time if we're 1-0 if we're up. But, yeah, no, you're right. You know, it's that... Changes to walls, yeah, be ripping up <laughs> gloves and socks and all kinds. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it showed that all of them were given time to have an impact in the game. But we, we needed to get back into it. So you know, we we, and we we there was a chance that we could have won that you know game in the end. Um, you know, I, I, it, there, there, it was an offside that the, the linesman flagged immediately. I mean, I, I'd like to have seen that back. You know, it may it may have been well offside, but you know, you, I thought it was off. Know, yeah. It was off. But we don't, we will never know. It, we, no, you know, we, it was. It's, it's times I was been, right in line with it. He was off. Yeah, but there's been times before you know last season where people were saying, "Oh, he's miles off." I saw it. Blah blah blah. And then they've gone to VAR, and there's been someone's shin on the far side of the pitch or whatever. You know, you're probably a million percent right, Ali. But you know, we we I, I assume that people are allowed to go to the end of that move, and then you know either then flagged and it goes to VAR because we put the ball in the net. So that that was you know that it was. A, I, I'm sure the right decision was made, but you know, I, I, it's it's not always the case. The referee f- puts his flag up immediately. It's very um, unusual that he flagged so early, actually. Yeah, yeah. So very that's what I'm saying. It, it may have it's made like the... it was like pre-VAR, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. So um, yeah, no. Um, but so it's good to see that um, JB's just as funky as he was last year. That's important. That's right. That's right. And you're talking about that offside as well. Unfortunately, I I couldn't really see it because I, I I had to get the microscope up as we were viewing our our phones, trying to see what the game was going on in uh, in 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 Upper Mercia as well in 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 the golf club actually, which is all good. But like I said, thank you, Ken. You know, and Linz and, and Hannah for putting us up for that. It was uh, very nice. But anyway, listen. We're going to move on because we've been talking about Brentford. We've been talking about our players. We've been talking about with much excitement, you know, the first game of the season, who's in, who's out and everything like that. However, it looks like we're going to be having another player coming in very soon. And surprise, surprise, he's now, he's another Danish player. We've got Damsgaard going to be in the house very soon. Fingers crossed if he passes his medical. We're going to go and have a little drink. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Mikhail Damsgaard. So, Mikhail Damsgaard, we're a bit previous, but we've been a bit previous with all our signings so far this season. We've always talked about them and we've, you know, we've chatted about them. We've got bits and statistical stuff and we've even got people talking about them internationally about all our players that we've signed so far before we've actually physically signed them. Uh, and, Lainey, do you think that might be cons- considered as singing too soon? 
You started singing too soon? Um, no, no, it's not singing too soon. He's singing too soon if he fails his medical. You know, he's, he's our player now. Um, he's, he's ours not to have. And the only reason we're not going to have him is if, um, you know, his arthritis or anything else is, is decided to show up to be more than we want to we wanna spend 16 to 20 to whatever, however many million pounds it is on him. So, you know, it's, he's, he's ours. He's ours. Um, the personal terms have been agreed. Um, it's just literally um, dotting I's and crossing T's medically now. So uh, very, very excited about his arrival. You know, we've, we've seen what he's capable of doing on the international stage. Um, that free kick against England was exceptional in the last Euros last summer. Um, in the semi-finals, semifinals as well yeah. of, the, he, of the US. He is potentially an incredibly uh, forward-thinking signing and uh, he can only bring more quality and more depth to our team. Um, how, how quite how he fits in is a, is a lovely problem to have. Um, and, you know, it's, we'll, we'll just see. But, you know, there, there, there needs to be an improvement in certain sort of positions, whether that's in the centre of midfield, whether that's out on the left. Um, and, and he's able to fill both of those positions if called upon. That's right, that's right. And, I mean, Damsgaard, he... Basically, his position is, for people that don't know, he plays in central midfield. He either plays behind the striker, as the Allah said, a number 10, which doesn't normally go too well with us, or he can play through the middle, or as a winger, or as a left forward. And, and if you look at his position, you know, as to where he plays the most, he actually plays on the on the left wing, actually, most. But also, like I said, he, he plays through the middle. But Ali, you quite fancy him uh, playing through the middle for the Bees, don't you? I think it's, there's a certain irony that when... Ericsson had his collapse in the Euros that it was Damsgaard who came through as the who came in for him and came through as the big star for Denmark in that tournament. Um, and I think that's where his his role may well end up being. He's he's a slightly different type of player, but he does have a big impact through the middle. He creates to the middle. He's also a very good set piece taker, which I've said is where we would miss C E twenty one more than anything else on set pieces. And I would like to see him playing through the middle. I don't think personally that he I want to see him on the left. Uh, I think he'll have more impact in the middle, but that, that, that's just a personal thing. I think he's a fantastic little player um, and he's very young. He's incredibly young as well. Um, and I, I, I think we'll get more out of him through the middle than we will out on the left. Um, and I don't know, he's not a winger. For me, he's not a winger. OK, so the question that we're going to have is that if he is playing in the middle, wherever he's going to play, then who comes, because we can't play them all, who comes out of our side? Well, it's a very it's very difficult, isn't it? Because there's a lot of people saying, well, Jensen comes out for De Silva, although I have to say I thought Jensen was very, very no, good first too. half on, on Sunday. He was pinging the ball about beautifully. Um, but then if you put De Silva in, instead of Jensen, who do you take out to make room for Damsgaard? I don't know, do you take out Yano? I think it may depend on the opponent. It may depend, it will depend on what system we're playing. Uh, and I think there's going to be a lot of rotation in terms of, not a lot, but some rotation in who's on the bench and who starts, depending on who we're playing and how we want to play the game. Um, but I think that that three or even four of De Silva, Jensen, Janot and Damsgaard, there's going to be quite a lot of rotating through that. Because Norgard, Norgard's your holding midfield player. If he's fit, Norgard plays, undoubtedly. Um, and it would be nice to squeeze all of them in. And you could have an argument, you put Damsgaard out on the left wing instead of Wiesa. Um, but then again, if you're playing three-five-two, is he going to play left wing back? Probably not. I'd, I'd say that Thomas Frank, uh, given all of those riches, when he finds the right formation with those players, we're going to be 
deliciously unstoppable. Um, it may take it may take us a couple of it might take us a month to to to, to experiment slightly. Um, and yeah, I, I, but I think once once it's found that com- the right combination, it, it, we're going to be an incredibly incredibly dangerous attacking team. I think. Yeah, and let's not forget initially. We, I don't think we can expect Damsgaard to just come straight in. He hasn't played a lot of football true, in the last yeah. So I think it's going to be a little bit. Of, it's going to be a little while before. He's starting games, I would imagine. And, and I mean, I'm just going to come back to you, Ali, because you were the big question mark about the Wisa. And like I said to you, you know, we, you know, like I said to you, we did finish three four three. You know, we, we seem to like the three up front. You know, with the Wisa out left. You know, so you, you, are you totally against Damsgaard coming in for Wisa? Who you who you got a bit of a question mark about? No, I'm not totally against it. I would just prefer to see him in the middle because I think that's where we're going to get the most out of him. And let's not forget about Lewis Lewis Potter. You know, you know what I mean. So it's like all of a sudden Lewis Potter. Well, 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 we're going to we play. We talked him. about this last week you as know. well. There's lot. There's so many options. There's so many options, and it's a really, really nice problem as a coach if everybody is fit. That's right. Have. Yeah, and, and we said we said with the other last week, Bill, didn't we? That you know, what an important season it is with Wisa. You know how he needs to become a ninety-minute player. Well, he he, he, he mm. pretty much got that. And he, he let himself down. I'd I'd say, you know, he's just, I would say his his positional. Unless he was told to not go out too wide, but I think he gave the ball away a lot. Um, his decision making, he he, he he pulled the trigger and shot, blazed one well over when he had th- oh, three God, players yeah. in the middle calling out for the ball. You know, he he, he didn't have a great game. He didn't have an awful game. Um, but you know, we if we're going to kick on. You know, these are these are ten million pound plus players now. These aren't five hundred thousand pound players that we plucked out from, you know, niece, niece's kind of C team. These players are expected to come in and perform at a Premier League level. Um, and you know, he didn't. In my mind, he didn't do that on, on Sunday. And um, if he's going to get another start, which it was a big opportunity, um, and you know, KLP, he, he should start ahead of him. I'd say um, on, on, on Saturday evening. I, I do, I'd, I'd agree 100% with what, all of what Lainey's just said, actually. I think I completely agree with all of that. So, listen, um, back to Damsgaard. We were talking about Damsgaard. We were talking about Damsgaard in the dark because we, we know so much about him, but we don't know everything about him. So, what we've done is we've gone over to Denmark because, as you know, we've got chums everywhere around the world. We're going to talk to Tok Miller Thiardli as well. And he's going to tell us everything we need to know about Mikhail Hey, this is Toker from Park.dk. I'm a Danish football journalist and uh, yeah, I'm here to talk a little bit about Mikkel Damsgaard who's about to join Brentford and uh, yeah, it's a very, very exciting transfer for most Danish football fans, of course. Everybody here, we know about the Danish connection with Brentford and we know we know how well many of the players who went there in the past have have done and um, yeah he, he Brentford are definitely about to get a great great young player so so Damsko he joined he started well he started his professional career with FC Nordsjælland one of the the best talent academies in Denmark basically um, fans of English football might remember uh, for example Mohamed Kudus who's playing for Ajax right now is from from Nordsjælland and well, people who've played football manager would know quite a lot of their young players, I'm sure. There's a lot of wonder kids there and, well, he couldn't have received a better education as a football player, basically. It's a team that they played, always played very technical, offensive football. So all the offensive player has, has 
Rive, they have done really well, and, and Damsko was definitely one of them. So he moved to Sampdoria at a, at a young age and has done well in Italy, basically. He, he, he is definitely not disappointed there. I mean, he has earned a spot on the Danish national team, and um, and he, I think most English fans will remember him from the European Championship last year. He scored a fantastic goal uh, against England, and... Uh, and really, it was his big breakthrough. And after the tournament, there were all of these rumors about him. He could join Barcelona. All the big clubs were looking at him. But he was very, very unlucky that he picked up some injuries. And he was basically out for most of last season. And that's why Sampdoria are now looking to, to sell him. So it's it's pretty disappointing that he's moving to Brentford. Not to, not to be disrespectful, disrespectful towards Brentford or anything like that. But the expectations for this guy were they were enormous. He was so good at the Euro and, and he's been fantastic on the national team. So a lot of people were really expecting that the next club he would move to would be Champions League football and, and, and one of the really big stages. But but that's I mean he's been unlucky and now he's gonna be now he's gonna be rebuilding a little bit and, and sort of take that next step in a more competitive league and against some really good opponents. So it's not like it's a bad thing for him or anything. He is moving to the Premier League. There's no no harder competition at all than, uh, than that. So we will see him in some, some huge games and that's going to be really exciting. He is a very, very versatile player and, and he can play both centrally on, this, on the central midfield or he can play on the wing. I'm expecting him to play mostly on the wing. That's what he has done in the past. He's He's not the biggest guy, he's, he's a little bit small and, and not so physically strong, so he needs to build on some, some muscle for sure, and um, then he can go move more inside the pitch and, and play more centrally, but he's been really good on the wing, he's, he's fantastic technically, he, he, his crosses are, are excellent, he has, and, and, and this is perhaps the, the most exciting thing about him is his football intelligence is just amazing he his positioning is great he knows where his his uh, teammates are what they're going to be doing and and he can really anticipate the the game very very well and that's that's not something you see often from a player his age so yeah he he is a really good player very very talented and and if he if thomas frank can get him going then there's i mean there's really no limit to how far he can go um of course that also depends on if he can if he can keep the injuries away um but yeah, he, he is a guy who can play anywhere on the, on the yeah offensively, um, and and very very versatile and easy to slot into a team because he's he's smart on to understand most positions and and I think also it's a big advantage for him to to move to to Brentford because he has mentioned that as well in the past at Sampdoria that going to this new city in Italy alone, not speaking the language, being the only Danish player there, it's not the easiest thing. Now he moves to a country where he speaks the language. He has a lot of uh, teammates from the same country and of course he has all the other Danish players also playing in England and living around England and London that, that he can socialize with so integrating into this new country is going to be so much easier for him and and I think that's going to be really good for him that, that he can actually focus on just playing the football he doesn't have to worry about learning languages or or not being able to speak with his teammates he can just really put it all out on the pitch and, and I think Brentford fans will be they will be very, very happy with him. And, and if, if, if he performs well at Brentford, then Danish football fans will also be very happy with him because that means that he will be, he should be a regular player on the national team again. And, and uh, with the World Cup coming up, he's definitely one of those players with the X factor that the Danish national team needs and we need him in good shape. So 
this is, I think, all around a, a win-win for for everybody. Uh, Brentford gets an excellent player. Uh, Damsgaard gets moved to a place where he should be able to perform at the highest level. And um, yeah, well, fans of Brentford, fans of the Danish national team, they get to to see a, a great player, hopefully, in, in really good form. So I'm very excited about this. Um, it's definitely not the career path I was hoping for when, when he broke through. And, and after seeing him last year, I would never have guessed that he would be in Brentford here a year later. But with everything that has happened, I, I don't think he could move to a much better destination. He has excellent coach, excellent league, excellent teammates. And yeah, I think he has everything he needs to succeed. And uh, yeah, I, I cannot wait to see him play for Brentford. I'm, I'm really going to be excited and, and we'll be following him closely, just like everybody else. We have we have Dave Brentford on, on Danish television every single week because of all the Danes. So it's becoming like a second favorite team for most football fans in, in, uh, in Denmark. So Toki, Mina, Theodli. Um, I, I don't know how to pronounce that in a Danish way. I did it in a Spanish way because I've been in Spain for so long. I mean, I've got I've got my Spanish passport, you know. I've got me I've got my Spanish phrase book, you know. I only speak Spanish now, like you know, what I'm saying all the French that I learned, you know, for the past couple of years, that's gone out the window because it's all about the Spanish now. So, Toki Mila Theardly as well, which is Theardly uh, as well in the Spanish way. But anyway, he's given us a really excellent rundown on Damsgaard. Uh, did you did you did you did you like that? Did yeah. I mean, it's always good to hear you know, experts talking about players, you know, we, we can look up on Wiki and we can do the YouTube clips and we can, you know, read around on on Twitter and see what people are saying about him. But the best people to, to listen to are the ones that have been watching him week in, week out or from uh, from a young age. So, yeah, and no, I appreciate the input. Um, and it's good that we can call, call upon our Danish chums to give us that kind of input. One thing that we know is Damsgaard will not be playing on Saturday because he's going for a medical. And these medicals sometimes take a little bit of time. We all know that. Christian Eriksen, it took a while. The problem with Eriksen, you know, about us signing him, it wasn't about us signing him. The deal was done in a minute. It was actually the medical. And with the Damsgaard situation, again, we know, listen, it's going to take a bit of time. But we don't worry because we know exactly what we're doing on Saturday for Man United and what team we're going to play. Or at least Thomas Frank does. What we're going to do is I'm going to go away. I'm going to get another Alhambra beer. It's my last day here as well, so I've got to tuck myself right in. Then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about Manchester United. Manchester United come to New Griffin Park on Saturday. Second time they're going to visit uh, New Griffin Park. We went up to Old Trafford twice last season. One draw, one loss, and then they beat us at New Griffin Park. I would, I would like to say, and I'm not saying this in a bitter way, I'm just making a fact because I'm running a podcast here with you, Laney, and we have to make these facts that Manchester United, when they came to New Griffin Park yesterday, I thought they were a little bit lucky with the win. They, they Listen, they did what they had to do. We, well, maybe they were, we were unlucky. We didn't take our chances. We could have probably been two or three nil up in the first half. We didn't take them. In the second half, bam, they punished us. Including um, this, what's it, C7, whatever his name is, Ronaldo. CR7. <laughs> uh, yes, right. You know, so uh, yeah, so you know, you know we, we, we no, listen, but you know, he's not. He, he was on the bench on Saturday, anyway. We'll talk about him later. But Manchester United, they're coming down to um, New Griffin Park on Saturday, and I think it's going to be a different prospect than it was last season because when they came down to our ground, we are fully injured up. Literally, we had Fernandez in goal. I've got no idea who we had in defence. We were we were all over. The, we were literally all over the place at that time, and we were just holding on for dear life. 
And uh, we're, th- we're thinking that we might have got a win out of that one. We might have got something out of that one. All I'm saying to you is that that game, um, we didn't quite get the result, but I think things might be different this time. What are you thinking, Laney? Yeah, I hope you're right. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm always... I'm always concerned by Man United because they're, they're massively underachieving, aren't they? You know, you look at the you look you look at the, their parts, and you know it's, it's still an incredible team they've got there. Um, but for whatever reason, uh, they just they just can't they can't put a consistent run of of, of high performances together um, and compete at the, the the top you know the very top of the division. Um, they've still got they've still got the beating of us. Let's, let's be honest with you, but it's just about. How which Man United turn up, and and, and I, I don't I don't say which Brentford type turn up. I think the uh, Brentford are going to show up, and Brentford fans are going to show up, and we'll be showing up in the pub, you know, very early, and we're going to have a great atmosphere. Indeed, indeed. So listen, I mean, look, we could talk about Man United as much as we want to, but what we need to do, we need to go over to Manchester to talk to a Manchester expert. We're going to go talk to Barney Chilton from Red News Fanzine. That's listen, mate. You think besides old mate, we've been going since what 1990, 1991, 90, the early 90s. But Barney has been running Red News Fanzine since 1987, the Manchester United Fanzine. He is going to talk to us about everything he knows about Man United. Hello, it's Barney from Red News. Uh, I've edited Red News since 1987, which makes me a very, very old man. Started when I was 16. And to get the quick accent out of the way, uh, my family have all supported United um, and eventually they moved down and hence my Cockney Red upbringing. Uh, I've been going since 1976 through highs and lows and unfortunately we're suffering lows right now. I've got fond um, memories of a great day at Brentford in 1989 in the Youth Cup, which was, for anyone there, was bat bat crazy game. I think... Uh, we were one, this. Some will correct me, but we were one 0 up, and then late on, you won two one, and there was a celebration where the lad dislocated his collarbone or shoulder. But um, visiting the old ground was great, and unfortunately, I got COVID last year. Bang on, our fixture, so I never went. So I'm really looking forward to uh, going to the ground, if not the game. Uh, on Saturday, not sure I'll get to how it's going to pan out, but um, your fans' representatives have always come across well, and I've seen them uh, and on TV. Your club, um, I, I will admit, I'm not as okay as others are because I've selfishly got blinkers of only concentrating and worrying about our lot, which we're not fans of the Glazers. Um, last season was a debacle in a list of them. I think we all expected post-Fergie for it to be a very hard task, but it's got worse. Um, it was very sad with Oli because a lot of us loved him. Knew deep down there was a naivety. Uh, he might not be the master tactician to take us forward, but sort we stuttered and then we went backwards. Um, and there's a familiarity in results and performances, unfortunately, that they just weren't good enough. And you saw... The worst thing I think a football fan can see in their team is a lack of pride, passion uh, and just everything really. It all fell apart. Tactics, there were so many things going wrong. So I would actually give last season, I wasn't around for the second division season, but it's the worst I've seen in terms of commitment and just knowing that you're going to go to the likes of Brighton and get absolutely stuffed and it's defeats you can take, but performances like that, uh, so I'll give it a 0 out of 10, uh, unfortunately. And then Ralph came in 
Um, and to sum up the farce of the modern United under the Glazers, who don't seem to know what they're doing once the wizardry of Fergie wore off, was um, they just said he's an interim, he's a consultant, then apparently told him within a few weeks, well, you're not going to consult, we just want you to concentrate on the diamond Arsenalitis of top four. And it all went very, very pear-shaped, very, very quickly. You could tell he was immediately on the defensive. He didn't get what he wanted in January. So it became a real debacle. And the last month or two after Atletico Madrid knocked us out was horrendous. It was just like everyone wanted it over. And I think that goes for fans, players. And he immediately departed stage left, which in a list of United mishaps for our consultant to not even consult so there we go, and Ten Hag's arrived. How is the new season shaping up? Well, I just want to see better football, more entertainment and players giving a toss, really. And uh, I like the look of Ten Hag. I think for once we've got a manager on the ascendancy who's not uh, naive, as I said, or on the downward or past it or the game's passing him by. But it's as he even said after one game, it's one hell of an ask, and one hell. Of, and the comment at the end of last season was, "We don't need a new manager; we need a miracle worker." Uh, and I just wanted to go on the Sunday and watch a solitary game of football and see us win, and we couldn't do that. So it's a very stark reality check to him, if not to us, that if you put in nine of the eleven players who. It's a mixture of no confidence, lacking confidence. I don't think they're very adept at taking tactical challenges on and our fullbacks are really worrying. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see everyone. But there's familiarity breeds contempt and I think there's just a gnashing of what is going on here. Um, Signings-wise... Only time will tell on the others, but we haven't bought any real stardust yet. And it sounds like we're flaying around as we usually do and we'll sign another 40-year-old striker on deadline day. Uh, I'm going to be, obviously, sorry for this, but I'm very excited to see Christian Eriksen. And he was the only one on Sunday who looked like he knew what he was doing. I wouldn't, I didn't like him being as a false nine so far forward. But once in the second half, he had... They just weren't playing it enough to him. But I'm very excited to see him. Should he have stayed at you? I'm of an era where, well, yeah, you know, but it's gone. And the modern footballer and the modern football psyche is you're, not, you're just not going to see the likes of players staying around much longer. And I think it will get worse. So I can understand you're disappointed, but adopting that selfishness, I'm very glad we did. Uh, he does reek of a glazer, uh, you know, free transfer, Hopefully not his best days are over, but we have signed a lot of 30-year-old players recently. Um, and I know that will be hard for you, but I hope you don't boo him. Um, because it is a deep down, it's a great story. I, I've got a young child, and when what happened happened, uh, we were all shocked. And to see him still playing is, is a tremendous, it's one of the good things of recent years. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I hope... He'll be a good signing, but I think he even realises what he's joined. Um, so Ten Hag, he needs time, whatever, even when it goes really bad, which this season could, and it could go early because we've got Liverpool third game. I hope we stick by him and I hope even under the bumpiest times that we don't wobble because it's not the fans. The fans at the games have been backing every manager, even though we've had deep concerns over some of them. It's the Glazers who wobble and eventually it's them who sack them. So I hope we don't do that because we've got to finally see someone who sees this through. Um, 
And I would say last season, we're, we're just so strange. It's hard to work out. You can say confidence is everything in football, but it's more than that. And there's a lot of players who are, we've seen it enough times, the deja vus, the groundhog days, to say this isn't going to work. And unfortunately, we've got a lot. We signed a lot on long-term contracts that we struggled to get rid of and then they eventually leave on free transfers. Most fans were delighted to see Lingard and Pogba go, but you've got to replace them and you've got to bring in quality. So this season, mm, fourth, fifth at best, League Cup, please. Any joy would be nice after what we've been through. And I know there'd be an element of, well, you deserve it. And of course, you know, we had great times for so long, but you still want to go to football matches. With all the debacles in the modern world of late kickoffs, you know, a train strike on Saturday affecting so many, the kickoff times, every club gets affected. And I think a lot of fans share so many concerns about the wider elements of the way we're treated. You just want to see your team try. Um, Ganaccio, I think, will come into it once the Europa starts, and I think he looks very good. I keep saying, we'll see Sancho, we'll see Sancho, but he seems, again, he doesn't want to take the man off, and Rashford were at a real crossroads in. Have we burnt him out? What is it? Is he the type of striker who will miss chances and after chance? But there's something not been right for some time there. Um, my predictions for this season are, uh, I think... I think Spurs will push City. I think Liverpool could be third. We're talking the same, same. And it's whether we can push them closer. And really, I don't like the dance with fourth place. It's like, get the money just to be in the Champions League, inevitably not going to win it. It's fun, I suppose. And it's not Thursday nights, which, again, some of you might not like the attitude. But those Thursday, Sunday never seems to help a team. Bottom three, I'm going Leicester. If you don't sign players, you're in trouble. And there's a surprise element. And I think Forrest will go down. And it's your pick of who the other who came down. Um, I would say, I like your team. I think your forward line's always impressive. And you've got a team that adheres to tactics. We didn't particularly like your manager's reaction at the end of the game. Again, you're going to disagree with this. But I think in some ways, he was very astute that it it was almost, a, I think, to get a reaction from his players for the next month or two. I think he's very good. I think you've got a good setup. Uh, can you prolong that? What's who you sign? I think Ben Mee's a very, very good signing. I don't know enough about the rest of your players, but I think you'll do similar. Uh, and that's no bad thing, especially, you know, you're just coming up and you build from it. You don't want to just go daft like some teams do. And you certainly don't want to head the way of Burnley, who we may never see again. As for the outcome, oh, I we for so long had Fortress Old Trafford and, you know, it's 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 such and such today. And this is just a reality. We're just like any other team, which is fair enough. It's hard to accept that sometimes after reaching the promised land, I think a draw. And I think, unfortunately, I'm dreading the Liverpool game. So I don't think, I think it's got shades of a, a dodgy start and the press will be on him. I hope we don't wobble and I hope concentration is taken further up because... The Glazers have spent money scattergun, but the bigger issue for a lot of fans is they've taken two billion out. The dividends keeps going, and if you look at the one billion in loans, it could be done improving the ground, helping the local community. Could have been done on so much more 
such as the modern game, and you'll hear me moaning and moaning every issue about that. I hope everyone enjoys it. We spent so long out. It feels like a bit harsh moaning about football after we had COVID and saying we just want to be back at games, but that disintegrates quickly. I'll go, yeah, one all. I hope you don't enjoy it too much, and I hope we're happy again. But I've got, I didn't expect to have frayed nerves this quickly into the season, but I have. Take care, everyone. So there you go, Barney from Red News Fanzine. And Barney's going to try and get down the globe on Saturday with his Manchester United posse if he can actually pick up his ticket. They've got ticket shenanigans at Manchester where apparently their club makes them actually pick up tickets at away games and show their ID before they can get their tickets. Um, which, which I think is quite bizarre. I've got no idea why they do that. But if we have to start going through that kind of nonsense, then I think, I think my days may be over with uh, watching football. Because at the end of the day, listen, we just want to go to the game, go to the pub and have a bit of a laugh, not turn up the stadium three hours beforehand and have to sh- prove that you exist before they hand over a ticket. But anyway, I'm going to uh, move on from that. Ali, Man United, excited? Oh, yeah, I think it's going to be a great atmosphere, not just not just the... The fact that it's Manchester United, but we sort of like have a, have our our ex boyfriend turning up, don't we? So um, for the opposition, um, I, I I think we have to be really careful. Uh, I I know United had a, a bit in a, sh- a bit on a, or in a mess generally, and had a shocking game by all accounts on Sunday with a mystifying formation. I think in the in the first half when Ted Hart played a false nine with Ericsson, the the furthest forward. Um, against Brighton, but I think we have to be really careful about writing them off and thinking it's a good time to play them, etc., etc. Because these were all the things we were saying before we went to Old Trafford last season. And if they turn up, if all their players turn up, we're not winning, basically. So, you know, I think we have to be really careful of writing them off just because they're never, they they can suddenly pull one out of the bag. And unfortunately for us at Old Trafford last season, they did that. There's no reason why they might not do that again. Um, on Saturday and I, I think we're going to have to be at the top of our game to not give them a chance to do that well, what I will say I mean I mean, you say they had a shocking game and again you know the Mercia Bees that I was with with Ken and Linz and uh, Hannah as you know like I said there are 27 screens with Man United um, showing in the bar full of Man United fans and then we were in the corner the Bees fans as well um, so we kind of kept on glimpsing over to see what's happening there and, uh, and what's happened is and it might be reflected in the XG as well if you, if you understand the no XG you know Man United actually finished that game with two 0.09 XG as opposed to 1.78 from Brighton. Brighton had two massive chances, two big bubbles in the six-yard box. Man United had two, three big bubbles in the six-yard box as well. So it looks like that they didn't put away their chances as such. And that was after. That was after. Day. That was after Ronaldo came on. That was after he changed the formation. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm just, okay. Well, I didn't see it. I didn't watch it on match of the day because I only watched the bees. You know, what I'm saying. But what I'm just trying to say to you is that you know, again, this is what Laney says that we may have to be a little bit careful about by saying, "Oh, you've lost to Brighton. Oh, yeah. You know, it's all over the place." Because at the end of the day, obviously, they have the ability to create chances. They've got people that can put the ball in the back of the net. They've got dangerous players. So it's actually kind of, uh, you know, we, we need to be careful, in it. Yeah. Well, they they are going to create, and we are going to create, and it's you know, this is the most boring cliche ever is like we have to take our chances and they have to miss theirs that's a fact you know we're not we're not going to play them off the pitch not everything's going to go our way for 90 minutes but if we are going to pull off one of these big scalps uh saturday does provide that opportunity if we get lashed up from the before the game and get in there sing our hearts out that's right so this is men united i'm just going to say their strengths attacking down the wings creating scoring chances 
defending set pieces and protecting the lead. However, their weaknesses, finishing scoring chances, avoiding offside, avoiding individual errors, very weak at defending against true balls and very weak at stopping opponents from creating chances. They like to basically keep the ball with possession, football, short passes, and they're very aggressive. Opportunities there, Laney? Yeah, there are opportunities. Um, but, you know, we need big performances all over the pitch. We need we need certain things to go our way. Um, and there's, you know, no mistakes. And uh, as I said, whatever comes our way in terms of chances have to, have to find the net rather than, you know, just, just pat ourselves on the back for being plucky losers again. Yeah. Ali? Yeah, I 100% I, I agree, agree with all of that. I think a lot of it, again, it, 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 on their day, they, 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 man for man, they, they've got more than we have. Um, I think we're going to have to be at the top of our game. Uh, we can't assume they're not going to turn up. They may well turn up and they may well t- absolutely f- be firing on all cylinders. I think a lot of it depends on what sort of mood Ronaldo is in and what that dynamic is um, at the game. Ronaldo turns up, you know, he can, he can win a game on his own. And we all, and you know, we all know what Ericsson can do if Ericsson get balls into Ronaldo and they're both firing. It could be a, it could possibly be a long afternoon. Hopefully that won't happen. But I think we do all need to be on on top of our game. Quick question, Laney, Christian Ericsson, boo or clap? Oh, 100% clap. Let's have some dignity. Let's let's be classy. Um, you know, we love him to stay. He didn't move on. Ali. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, you know, if you if you don't want to applaud him, I get people might not want to applaud him. Um, but really don't boo. I mean, it, it's just classless to boo. He did it when he was here. He did a great job for us. And I think we should just remember that, you know, how much fun it was to really watch a world-class player playing for us for those 11 games rather than the slightly sour taste that maybe is leaving left. Yeah, yeah. No, I think no, definitely no boo from me. I am saying, I might give it a little bit of a clap as well. We'll see how it goes. But listen, go around the table here. Just quickly, I'm going to get a score prediction from you, Ali. Oh, I think, I think... I think we're, we do a result against them, actually. I think it'll be 2-1 to us. Oh, Laney. Also, I'd take a point right now, but I'll go 2-1 Brentford as well. Oh, oh and I'm going to go 2-0 to the Bees because it didn't come in we at Leicester, so I've got, to, I've got to bring it back again on Saturday. We've all predicted the win, so we're about to lose yeah, now, aren't we? Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, listen, 5.30 Saturday, it's on Sky TV or some international channel somewhere, and if the, if the feed goes down, you're going to be watching it on your phones like I did last weekend as well. International bees, as it is, like I said to you. We'll be starting very early. The Besotted crew will be probably posting where we are on Global in the various pubs in and around Brentford and Kew and all sorts of stuff. I think it'll start at 11 o'clock in the morning because I've been away for so long. I'm absolutely potty for it. So, anyway, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Don't forget... Um, check out Besotted Global Besotted.com forward slash global it's a little community we've got and it's uh, it's starting to build now and it's really wicked just check it out we've got a little trial for you to just check it out and feel your vibes but like I said to you it's just forming and, uh, and and it's good as well don't forget if you like what we do buy us a beer Besotted.com forward slash beer check out Besotted.com we've got loads of articles on there all sorts of characters doing stuff on there as well as well and also the other thing is as soon as we leave the Manchester United game me and Laney are leaving to go to Fulham because we're so excited about that game, we're going to leave very early and we're going to be sitting in that pub in Fulham where we sit to every year in Putney for the whole week because it's going to be well, very good. Bring your paddleboard, Bill. That's right. Avoiding the public paddle. transport strike by the week early. I can, I can be the substitute paddle paddleboard. Bloke. That's right. Yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I, I brought my paddleboard down here to uh, down to to to, the, to well, to Torieva 
area where I am now in uh, in the southern Spain, and I haven't used it all week because the waves are too they're too heavy I'm for me, scared. and I'm not a, I'm not a surfer. I'm I'm too scared mm. to get on there. So the paddleboard has actually not been used. So I might have to take it down to Fulham. We can paddleboard down to Fulham next week. But we will talk about that <laughs> <in the> next <laughs> week podcast. But anyway, this is the Vitality Pride of West London podcast. Like I said, you're very very excited. We've got many to come down. Number one, come down. Substitute teacher. Come on, you baby. Come on, you baby. Let's beat them mighty red devils. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.